0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mike the Gardener podcast, sponsored by those lovely people at Natural Grower who supply plant based products for both organic and chemical free gardening and your houseplants. Hello and welcome back to the very last in the series of season two. Where's the time gone? This second series has shot past so quickly. It only seems like just a few weeks ago. That I was heading out to Michael Perry's beautiful garden, and I think that was August, a beautiful sunny day in August. And here we are now, the week before Christmas. And it's quite strange because this time last year, the 23rd of December, in fact, I published the very first episode of the Mike the Gardener podcast with my very first guest and friend, Tamsin Westhorpe. And here we are, say, a year later. And we're at the end of the second series. So first and foremost, are you ready for Christmas? Well, here the tree is up. Shopping, well, it's sort of like a work in progress. Some of the, well, the presents have been got, I think, most of them at least. Uh, but food obviously we'll will wait a few more days yet, I think. I always panic about the food. Do you go in too soon and then it starts to go to the end of the sell-by dates? Or do you get at the very last minute and make sure everything's as fresh as it possibly can be? How are you getting on? Are you finished? Are you ready? Can you put your feet up and relax and listen to this podcast? Or is it niggling away at the back of your mind? Well, I'm sat here in the Mike the Gardener podcast recording studio between you and I it's just the office next door to the kitchen but don't tell anybody Um, and I thought it would be lovely just to have a look back over this second series and let's talk about what we've done who we've spoken to we've had some wonderful guests haven't we and I remember as I just said going to Michael Perry's in August was amazing in the first series of the podcast we were in lockdown and pretty much all of them, with the exception of the very last episode of Series 1, was recorded via Zoom. And I had some great guests, but I must admit, it was lovely to go out to Walter Perry Gardens and meet my friend Pat Havers, the head gardener there, and have a face-to-face chat in a real garden. Well, after the Series 2 finished, I went out Bought myself some kit, a nice microphone and some stuff I could take out on location and set myself up for series two and contacted lots of lovely people to ask if I could actually come to their gardens and sit and record the podcast with them. And that's what I did. I went to Michael Perry's lovely garden. Um, I think it was in August, wasn't it? I went out there and I remember sitting a little bit nervously in his garden with my new kit set up all around me. And thinking, the most important thing I need to do today is press that record button. You imagine sitting with somebody for an hour, thinking that you're recording it, then you get back home and try to play it back and there's nothing there. And I can tell you, there's been a few times when I've done that. I've come home and thought, oh my goodness me, it's not come out. But it's always there. I always do remember to hit that record button. So I was sat in Michael Perry's garden in the glorious sunshine, and here's just a clip of what we talked about that day. Michael, thank you so much for inviting me along to your garden today. It's beautiful, a beautiful, sunny August day, (laughs) and the garden's looking amazing.
1: Oh, thank you. It's so nice to have guests, and of course, I've had various guests in the garden over the last year, but not any plants people, really. And it's oh. a different thing when you've got a plantsman here. Well, you know, my friends have been here, but they're kind of, oh, it's pretty flowers. But I want someone here who's going to be like, what's that just under the hosta there? And hopefully you're the guy to do that today. Well, do you know what? <laughs> what, what
0: I really like about a garden is when it's packed full of plants like mm. this, and there's so much that you've really got to get up and sort of like have a good rummage through the undergrowth. So <laughs> at a car boot sale. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been here now?
1: Mm. Just over a year. OK. Yeah. Does that sound absurd when you look at the garden? It's like, it looks like it's been here for 10 years, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it
0: looks like an established <laughs> garden. It looks oh. like it's been here for sort of like five years plus. It is absolutely <laughs> packed. It's mature
1: as well because you, you've obviously got yeah. the trees, you've got the silver birches. Um, I guess, yeah. I mean, I'm lucky that the sycamore was there already. Yeah. It's already given you a big bit of structure. But the birches, obviously, I planted at this size. And I think the combination of being a really impatient person... And planting everything very closely together has given that kind of mature vibe very, very quickly.
0: Now, I remember that day particularly well. After the podcast, Michael and I had a really good rummage through the garden, looking at the different plants. He took me round to the front garden to show me the front garden. And then I set off on my way home, which took me back via London. And all was going extremely well. And then I could see there were red lines all over the sat nav. And the red line basically means traffic, heavy traffic. And sure enough, as I beetled down the motorway, I could see the traffic was queued up in front of me. And there I sat for three hours waiting for an accident to be moved away. So, uh, yes, I remember that day very well. I'd planned to get back, I think, at about uh, four or five o'clock and got back home at eight o'clock in the evening. So... (laughs) (laughs) The things we do for our love of gardening. Now my next venture out was not too far for me. I went along towards Chichester to meet Ben Cross, uh, the Alstroemeria farmer, flower farmer and his wonderful campaign British Flowers Rock and it was great to have a chat with Ben in the nursery and I can tell you I've never seen so many Austromeria in my whole life. Just a, a, such an impressive operation that Ben has got there. Now, you have a fantastic initiative, British Flowers Rock, Tell us about that and why that is so important because there are some really important key messages for all of us.
2: Yeah well um, when I came back to the flower nursery I just thought that everyone knew that over 90% of cut flowers in the UK are now imported and when we talk about over 90% we're not just talking about supermarkets but we're talking about supermarkets, uh, letterbox companies, big online florists, florists, farm shops, even cafes, restaurants. They may have a locally sourced food menu but where's that flower come from that's on your dining room table Mm. Uh, gas stations petrol stations so just within the UK over 90% of the time when you see that flower it's probably been uh, flown and not grown so the initiative is grown and not flown it's British Flowers Rock and between 2011 and 2014 I tried to get help on this matter uh, from the NFU from governments from DEFRA and no one was really listening to my my issue as being a British grower like things Mm. need to be done just like Jamie Jimmy he Fernie have done with the food industry the flower industry need needs that as well and no one was really if they were listening to me weren't doing anything about it so in 2014 instead of trying to get help I just started my little British flowers rock campaign (laughs) and uh, in 2022 23 people are still booking me up for talks and want to know more about it so that's all it is it's just raising that awareness doing that bit of education and just doing my bit for the for the industry yeah
0: Now in the next episode and bear in mind I made the commitment to go weekly with the podcast which was something between you and I. I wasn't sure whether I'd be able to do it weekly. I didn't know if I'd be able to turn them around quickly enough and do the editing uh, but we did. So the following week I was a little bit closer to home and I went to my favourite garden locally Knoll Gardens which is owned by Neil Lucas. Now Neil Lucas is a gold medal winning nursery owner and his grasses, his ornamental grasses at Knoll Gardens are just glorious and I have to say I've made quite a few hashtag naughty spends at Knoll Gardens shop over the last few years to say the very least and it was wonderful walking around Knoll Gardens with Neil who explained to us all exactly how to get the very best from our ornamental grasses. Well I've just arrived at the beautiful Knoll Gardens parked the car and just going to walk in now so I'm often here to have a poke around see how the gardens developing during the course of the year and just going into the entrance now weather's it's warm and it's cloudy but the Sun is trying to come out and I've just walked in and I'm just going off now to find Neil in the garden somewhere Thank you so much for inviting me along to your beautiful Knoll Gardens today. Lucky me, it's right on my doorstep, so I'm a regular here for inspiration and just to come and soak it all in. Thank you.
3: (laughs) It's a pleasure, mate. A pleasure. Always good to see you.
0: And how long have you been here now?
3: Well, I know you wouldn't think so from looking at me, but it's about 27 and a half years now. Oh, my goodness me. So I can no longer call it the new project, really.
0: (laughs) You're no longer the new kid on the um, the grass Not really.
3: Not new anything these days, I'm afraid. Apart from the knee, of course. That's that's new.
0: (laughs) So when did your passion for gardening and plants actually start?
3: That's a good question. Um, I think my earliest memories... Are really going down to see my grandfather for my summer holidays, and he would go primarily delphiniums. He'd been to his veg and, and, and dahlias. One of my first jobs was to. Um, Empty the te- upturned terracotta pots full of paper to get the earwigs out. <laughs> yeah, and, the yeah. and that was the time when the dahlias were taller than I was. If you <laughs> know what I mean. So that's yeah. a long time ago. But he grew delphiniums from memory two and a half, three thousand of them. Goodness it would me. Literally stopped traffic in the road when we yeah. were out. And he used to hire a lorry and go and exhibit at the RHS shows. And I sometimes think my love of showing, you know, mm. plants in general, stems from around that time.
0: Goodness me! And grasses. When did grasses come into your life then?
3: Good question. I'm not quite sure. Um, I've always been a trees and shrubs man. So woody plants has always been my prime interest. You know, which is why I love this place. Yeah. Um, and I think at some point when I was working for the health trust down in Devon. I started to find that grasses next to woody plants were present in the landscape for as long as so they were really useful plants so you know it's not any roses that grow on you Mm. I sort of get one and two and three and four and when I came here we probably had a collection of about 50 but at that time when when we came to Knoll, I had no intention of becoming a grass specialist as such
0: oh wow I didn't know that and here we are now with this beautiful... We have a little bit of a reputation
3: for knowing uh, something... Just about a little subject.
0: bit. Yes, You. Do. Oh, I was just going to say, somebody's told me you know a thing or two about grasses. <laughs> that was us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Or maybe it was actually. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you ever get the chance to visit Dorset, you really must visit Knoll Gardens. It's got to be high on the list. You won't be disappointed. Now, I generally contact my guests a few months ahead of a re- recording date. And I remember contacting someone who I have been a massive fan of for many, many years, garden writing legend Anna Pavord. Now, I was aware that Anna lived in West Dorset, which isn't too far from me here in Bournemouth. And I was really keen to try and have a chat with her. And I dropped her an email. And surprise, surprise, the next day, Anna very kindly contacted me to say that she would love to chat. Unfortunately, we were still in lockdown restrictions. Um, Some of the restrictions had been reimposed, so I wasn't able to go and visit Anna. But we had just a wonderful chat via, well, it wasn't via Zoom. Anna doesn't have any internet access. And I wondered at one point whether we were actually going to be able to have a recorded conversation for the podcast. But with my new kit, I have this fantastic hand recorder that can actually connect to a mobile telephone. And so we were off, we were in business. And I had the most delightful chat with Anna. And here are some of the highlights of my chat with Anna. You live a little further along the coast of me in West Dorset. Tell, yeah. tell me about your garden in West Dorset.
4: Oh, well... <laughs> Um, We were for nearly 40 years at this amazing house, which is slightly further east from here, um, in a village called the Bride Valley, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a little bit um, sort of east of Bridport, between Bridport and Dorchester. And it was there, actually, that, I suppose, you know, that house, uh, it was a, a rather wonderful Queen Anne rectory, but completely derelict when we took it on without a proper roof or anything. And it took us 18 months to find our boundaries there. It was completely overgrown. So that, in a way, seared us in a way that uh, few gardens, you know, have a chance to sear you and to teach you. Moving here was because I knew we couldn't afford to keep a place like the rectory on its um, feet Mm. as we got very much older. And, you know, there were outbuildings, there was a dovecot stables, barn, you know, a most incredible place. And we were very lucky to take it on as a place where nobody wanted rectories. Um, And particularly not derelict ones (laughs) with no roof. And West Dorset hadn't actually, as you must have observed, hadn't hit, you know, the headlines in the way that it has now. No, no. You know, when the newspapers uh, started calling Bridport the new Notting Hill, Mm. we all groaned and thought, no, because it is special. Um, And so for all sorts of reasons, we knew that we had to leave the rectory. And so we pushed to this place where we loved to walk. We're great walkers, my husband and Mm -hmm. I. And this was a tiny little triangle with not many houses in it. So the chance of a house coming up was reasonably thin. But um, one eventually did. And it's in a a, a no-through valley. And we live at the end of a no-through track. And the real point about it is the situation. It's perched on the side of a very steep valley and it faces south. Oh, lovely. um, we have ancient sort of pasture fields mm. that belong to it. I mean, it's not its called Sunnyside Farm, but it's not got the sort of land that you can farm on really uh, anymore. No. But it has got 20 acres of unimproved pasture, which is very interesting to me.
0: Chatting with Anna was definitely a big tick on my professional bucket list, I can tell you. The following week, I headed off to Kelsey Park in Beckingham, London, to chat to Danny Clark, the Black Gardener. Now, you'll know Danny as BBC TV's The Instant Gardener, but of late he has been extremely busy recording alongside Alan Titchmarsh and the gang on ITV's Love Your Garden. And more recently, in fact, just a few weeks ago, he started his own TV series with Dermot Gavin, Filthy Garden SOS, on Channel 5. Now, I need to thank a certain Claire Bear in Northwest Six who actually lined up this chat for me when we were chatting together at Hampton Court Palace Flower Show earlier in the year. Claire literally went up to Danny and said, you really do need to chat to Mike on his podcast. I said, Claire, if you ever want a job as my manager on the podcast, it's there waiting for you. Thanks ever so much. Uh, as I say, I met Danny at Kelsey Park in Beckenham, and we had a wonderful chat, and he is the nicest guy. So you're now on the juggernaut that is Love Your Garden, I mean, which is such a phenomenally successful programme. It Mr. is. Mr Pitchmarsh oh, heading brilliant. up, yeah. Francis and Katie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Katie so, I've spoken to recently, actually, yeah. yeah. Uh, so how was it joining the team? How was your first day? I was trembling. <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean, Mr. Titchmarsh. I mean, the god of, well, exactly, god of gardening yeah. and uh, Mr.
0: Dominey, of course, David Dominey. David,
3: I haven't met David yet because um, being a male, they tend to want. It's it's just the way they mix and match. So us. The format has it's changed The format, email, so, it? so yeah, yeah it's, it's slightly changed. So I, I'm normally presenting. If Alan's there, obviously there's yeah. going to be um, a female, yeah, just to get the balance get the right. Balance, so yeah. I haven't met David yet, but I'm sure we'll do at some point. But, you know, working with them, I mean, they've made me feel very welcome. Yeah. They really have. And um, just to see them in action is just to behold because they are real pros and they really know what it's all about. So I've still got quite a bit to learn.
0: From London, I headed off then to Bristol to chat to garden writer, presenter, garden designer Naomi Slade. And we met in Naomi's garden to chat about her career as a garden writer. And did you know, and again, this was covered in the podcast, obviously, Naomi Slade has a snowdrop named after her, which I got to see flowering, which was a sight to behold. And of course, the other thing I noticed when we walked onto the decking is you're not the only Naomi Slade in the garden today.
5: I am not, no.
0: You're Galanthus. Yes. Reginae Okay, no, no, correct me on the pronunciation. <laughs> we talked about this earlier. Galanthus
5: reginiolgi. Reginiolgi. Named after Queen Olga of Greece.
0: And obviously one named and after me. you. So, how did that come about and where did your love of snowdrops come from?
5: I've always loved snowdrops um, ever since I was very small. So even when I was, before I was 10 years old, I had a rabbit called Snowdrop. Um, oh. But when I was. Um, growing up partially in Wales I always knew there was more than one sort of snowdrop because the swathe of f- snowdrops that came up in the orchard flowered very much later than the ones that my grandmother had brought up from Somerset which mm. were at the end of the garden mm. and those were always there um, so I could pick a posy for them for my mum on February the 14th so those ones were always out on Valentine's Day.
0: And Sort of like there are so many snowdrops. Do you have other cultivars in the garden as well?
5: Many, many, but I can't show you them because they're still so asleep. They're still asleep.
0: <laughs> Any particular favourites amongst that?
5: Um, well, obviously, uh, Galanthus, um, Rajanioghi, Naomi Slade. Uh, I'm very, very, very pleased with that. I mean, you kind of know that you've arrived <laughs> in horticulture when somebody names a plant after you.
0: Now, one of the nice things about doing a podcast, particularly where I actually go and chat to people, is the spotlight and the star of the show is always going to be my guest, which is wonderful because it's all about them. But I had sort of committed that I was going to do some Plants for Places special podcasts. Well, it's very difficult to interview a flower, so the talking had to be down to me and down to me completely, and I have to say, when I came to record this episode, I suddenly became aware that this probably wasn't going to be very successful because who's going to want to listen to me for a 50 minutes banging on about plants? So I recorded this in my garden. I think it was in... Um, May time, actually. And I remember just leaving it. It just sat there for ages and ages and ages because I didn't want to put it out there because I thought people wouldn't want to listen to me. And I have to say a huge thank you to everybody because, unbelievably, it was one of my most popular podcasts. The Dry Shade podcast covered plants for dry shade, of course. So... In series three, if you can possibly bear it, I will do some more plant specials recorded in my own garden. Or maybe I'll go out somewhere to record some specials. Uh, So watch this space on that one. Then it was Mark Lane from Gardeners World. And I was really excited about chatting to Mark because he had invited me down to his garden. And I was really looking forward to seeing that especially having chatted with Mark on Instagram, on an Instagram live a few months beforehand. And then just as I got excited about driving down to Kent, the petrol crisis kicked in. I couldn't get petrol. It was too much of a risk to drive down there and then not be able to find petrol to get back. And so I still didn't get to see Mark's beautiful garden. But we did have an absolutely wonderful chat on Zoom. When are we going to see Mark Lane on Main Avenue or in Ranelagh Gardens or somewhere in Chelsea as a designer rather than uh, a presenter?
6: Is that going to happen? it it is going to happen. I know I got it in my, in my bones. It's going to happen. Uh, I am talking with several charities at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, but I want to, I want to work with something that's right for me. I want to make sure that I have a good, a good synergy and a good relationship with with that charity. And obviously I want the garden to have a second life. So uh, again, it's how that works, but, um, yes, the, uh, it will happen one day. Um, it's definitely not going to be next year, um, but uh, who knows? It might be the year after the year after that. Who knows?
0: Okay. And in these very early days, do you have in your mind an image of a garden? Do you see yourself? Would you like to be up on Main Avenue or would you rather start in the smaller Ranula Gardens and work up? What,
6: what are your thoughts? Uh, no, me being me, probably my luck is I'll have three Main Avenue gardens to do all at once. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, I, I think I would love to do a Main Avenue garden. Yeah. I would love to do that. Um, I guess but, there's an
0: expectation that maybe that's where people would expect you to be.
6: I suppose so. And I, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's nerve wracking to think. I know Aric, you know, just went through the whole process yeah, of yeah. doing the RHS garden. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, I don't know, because, you know, obviously it's scrutiny and everything. But I, I for me, again, I wouldn't be doing it for... The medal. I would want to be doing it because I want to get the message across from that specific charity. Yeah. So for me, again, that's where the message is really important.
0: Well, that's something for us all to look forward to, seeing Gardeners World presenter Mark Lane at the Chelsea Flower Show, as a garden designer, and as Mark said himself, he'll probably end up doing three gardens on the year that he's there. Next up was Gareth Richards who wrote the fantastic book Weeds for the RHS and since chatting to him Weeds has been picked as one of the Times top 10 gardening books and I had a great chat with Gareth about his book. So quite often I think you can yeah look at cultivated varieties of the weed And you'll have a really, you know, strong growing, vigorous garden plant, (laughs) but something that's quite beautiful. They use the white flowered rosebate willow herb in Sittinghurst in the garden, for example. So, you know, I think if you've got that, if you've got the purple one growing locally, maybe try the white one in your garden. And I think that's the thing, because the purple rosebay willow herb, eighty thousand seeds per plant. That's quite a that's quite a big it's number a bit, to have yes. <laughs> to have seeding <laughs> across your borders. But they're easy enough. They are easy enough to weed out. And um, and you know, I I think also, it, perhaps it's about managing them differently. So maybe don't let them don't let them go to seed once the last flowers faded. Chop off those chop off those ripening seed pods and uh, put them in your brown bin. So if you're looking for a little stocking filler for a gardening friend or relative, Weeds by Gareth Richards, thoroughly recommend it, it was a great read. The Petrol Crisis hadn't finished its work with me. I was due to go and meet Andrew Fisher Tomlin, the world-renowned garden designer at his garden in Wimbledon, but I couldn't get petrol for a second time and for a second time we had to record the podcast via Zoom. Not a problem. I still had a great chat with Andrew and here's a snippet of our conversation.
7: It was enjoyable. I had the first Alan Titchmarsh moment. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you a story about this. Can I tell you a story about this? Absolutely. I like stories. We were building building that garden. So I was probably about 30, I guess. And we were building that garden and Mr Titchmarsh came along. And one day, and was eating my roast chicken crisps. Uh, (laughs) Gosh, the detail! (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I see, I remember this, and I was like, Oh my goodness, you know, Mr. Tintrash, uh, you know, Sir Alan. And um, the um, and he had a chat with it, and I said, Oh, what do you think about our our garden? He went, Oh, it's all right and i thought oh right okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's it you know you know we're a bunch of students <laughs> a bit of encouragement <laughs> and, and and uh and alan is real you know he really does encourage people people into horticulture so at the time anyway that was at the time both of us looking a lot slimmer how and long ago um, was
0: this andrew this was
7: 1996 okay. so he was then he that's when he was presenting yeah so you know go forward to about what five years ago when he stopped presenting and he did the garden um helped by kate Gould and and mark gregory yeah and um and he's standing there waiting to um you know, meet the Queen and and all that sort of stuff, and and I I walked along and I'm having a chat with him and seeing. Him and he said, "Oh, what do you think about the garden, that uh, yeah, Andrew?" And I said, "That's all right." <laughs> 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 and, and he said, he was like, "Oh, damned with faint praise." And then I told him the story because I didn't remember. He appreciated
0: that. Now, thankfully petrol crisis behind us, we'd all been whipped into a frenzy, all been queuing at the petrol pumps for no reason because there had been no shortage, I was back out on the road and I was overjoyed because a couple of weeks before the petrol crisis had kicked in, I had spoken to Freddie Strickland, the RHS Young Designer of the Year 2021, with a view to chat to him in the podcast. Freddie suggested that we meet in a garden halfway between us both, somewhere that we both hadn't been. And he suggested Eiford Manor Gardens in Bradford-on-Avon near Wiltshire. Well, within Wiltshire. Perfect. Or so I thought. I picked up the telephone just out of courtesy. I just wanted to check that they'd be happy for us to visit and record a podcast in the garden. But they told me the garden had actually been closed for the season but not one to give up, they very kindly agreed to let us in through the back gate so we could record this podcast episode. Now the forecast for the day of the recording was pretty poor, grey, cloudy and damp. However, on the morning when I set out from here, glorious blue skies and the whole journey there and indeed the whole day was just perfect. And Following our chat for the podcast, Freddie and I were taken on a tour around the garden, got to meet the gardeners and the head propagator there and it was just the perfect day. So if you're looking for a garden to visit and you're in that area, Bradford-on-Avon, Wiltshire, then do put Iford Manor Gardens on your visit list. Open again in the new year, definitely one to check out. And here's an extract from our
8: conversation. So you've been off crying into a coffee. Crying into a coffee while Anne-Marie Powell and Mary louise Aegis and all the gang are descending, Annie Guilfoy, all these people that you just like, you just know. Names you know. Names you yeah. know, not names, people that you know, yeah. faces that you know. Yeah. Uh, James Alexander Sinclair, you know, yes. all these people are yeah. looming down on your garden. So you're, you're there sh- quivering in a corner, but it's okay, they're actually lovely people. Yes, They're, <laughs> they're not nasty people, they just have a job to do and um, they do the judging you go back to your gun you inspect what they've done <laughs> they've done nothing they're not allowed to touch anything they're allowed to sit they test things in the garden if you say you've got a sort of bouncing chair they'll, they'll check it, it's a the bouncing chair. chair yeah they'll do it i didn't have a bouncing chair in this garden
0: i was gonna say i, I must have missed that no. <laughs> bouncing chair i can't remember that <laughs> but they,
8: what, i guess what i'm getting is they they go through the gun rigorously to your brief yeah um and in that in, you've got to hit it. You've got to hit those marks.
0: So the judging's complete. Yes. At what point after that? How long do you have to sit and wait again for
8: the result? The result. I think it was a. I think it was a day or even two days. It was torture. And mm. the thing is with young designers, because it's a sort of televised competition. Yeah. They. I remember they this. It yeah. In person. Yes. And in front of cameras, in front of your families, in front of. So the show actually opens. It's on the first day they announce the winner. And they stand you up and with the other young designers and they announce whoever's the winner there and then in front of, in front of a crowd, which is terrifying. It's quite the introduction into the industry. Um, and they announced my name this year, which was brilliant. I was very relieved. I could have cried on television for the first time, <laughs> but I didn't. Held it together just at the last minute. Um, and, um, and then just went and enjoyed it with my family and friends.
0: Now, when I'm planning a podcast series, and I've only done two, so I'm I'm no expert at this by any stretch of the imagination, I come up with a wish list of people I want to talk to and plants I want to discuss on the podcast under the plant specials. And this time round, hostas was something I was really keen to chat about And like many of you, I guess, I've got plenty of hostas in the garden and had a real thing about hostas going back a few years ago. I had to have every single hosta that came along pretty much. So I was really keen to find out about how to grow perfect hostas. And I contacted Chris and Ollie of Siena Hosta Nursery and had a chat with them And shortly after we had our conversation, and just before I recorded the podcast, they went to Chelsea Flower Show for the first time ever and bagged themselves a fantastic gold medal. So, who better to speak to than Chris and Ollie of Siena Hosta?
8: We knew we'd done our best. Yeah. And we're really both super picky. Yeah. And uh, we knew it looked good. And. I think that it, was I think a good point was, to be at. Yeah. I think because you do sometimes go to a show, and a plant's misbehaved, and it's yeah. middle of the season, and you're a long way from home, and you haven't got an alternative, and and you think, oh, I hope that'll be okay. But I, for me, I don't think it felt like that with Chelsea. I think it. We looked at it and we thought this is really strong, mm-hmm. but. Hoping for the best, yeah. it's just a privilege to be there.
6: Yeah, I think you almost don't go in with an expectation, you no. just go and just throw everything at it. Yeah, and just hope for, hope for the best. And you know, because there's so many amazing nurseries that go, and you know, although you're judged independently, you see all this quality around you, and you think we've got to like be at the top yeah, of our step game, up. yeah, yeah, um, you know, just, just to be sort of noticed, I guess. <laughs>
0: And so that sort of brings us up to date. Obviously, in the last few weeks, I've spoken to Charlotte Beattie of Natural Grower. And as you know, Natural Grower sponsor my podcast and are continuing to do so. So thank you to Charlotte and her team there. Thank you for your wonderful products. Your natural soil improve and fertilizers are well loved by my garden and many others. And if you haven't looked at the natural grower products, do have a look at their website. And so in the last few weeks, I've also spoken to Matt Pottage, the curator of RHS Wisley about conifers. And if you haven't changed your mind about conifers after listening to that, then I guess nothing will do. Also, we spoke to Julia Mitchell of Green Jam Penstemon Nurseries. So if you're looking to grow penstemons next season, Have a listen to our chat because we cover literally everything you need to know about growing the best penstemans. And then, of course, last week I chatted to my friend Klaus Dolby about Christmas, his career and much, much more. Well, that's it, folks. That's the end of series two. I so hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have putting it all together. Thank you for all your comments, your feedback, and for those of you who have left reviews on Apple Podcasts, it really does mean the world to me. Now, if you have any ideas of subjects or guests we can include within Series 3, do drop me an email and you can contact me at gardener one at gmail.com, and that's Mike with an M-I-C, or... You can follow me on Instagram, if you don't already, where you'll find me as Mike underscore the Gardener. And that's Mike with an M-I-K-E. Now, I'm really looking forward to being back with you early in 2022. So in the meantime, I wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Keep safe, everybody. Keep happy. And I'll speak to you all very soon. Bye bye for now. Bye bye.